you know, we come to expect that from Italian teams. They're always very robust in defence. He can change a game for better or for worse. Yeah. And we've, I think we've seen that many times for Arsenal. And Plenty of times. He's 35. That is, it's unbelievable. I, I don't think he saw this coming. Turkey are a dark horse for the tournament. Hal Robson Carnu Cruyff turned them out the tournament. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Lane's Locker Room. This week is the start of a new series all about this summer's European Championships. Each week for the next six weeks, I'll be talking about each group at the Euros. My first guest this week is a fellow podcast member of mine from another podcast, the Put Your Foot On It podcast, Jack Guffrey. Hello, Harrison. Thank you for having me. Brilliant. It's nice to have uh, nice to have. People I actually know this time on the podcast, yeah, it's like different. A familiar face, yeah. It definitely is. No need to be nervous this time. <laughs> ah, not at all. Um, so, guys, this week we are going to be talking about Group A in the European Championships this summer. Um, it's putting up to be like a quite a tasty affair, really. We've got some, we've got a World Cup winning team in there in Italy, and three really good sides who make up the other three, and that's uh, Switzerland, Turkey, and Wales. I think to start with. Jack, I'll have you just talk about Italy and what you think their chances are this summer at the Euros. Well, Italy's a very interesting nation nowadays in terms of football because, like you say, they've they've got history. World Cup winners, the only ones out of these lot. Um, but as of late, their international performances at tournaments haven't been so great. Um, missing qualifications, you know, not even getting to finals. Uh, and by that, I mean the, the final tournament let alone a final. Um, so it's been up and down, but they seem to have had a resurgence. There's a lot of good, decent young players now coming through where they didn't really have that and they relied on veterans. You know, you're talking the likes of Pirlo and Cannavaro's and Nesta's Maldini's to basically play 20-year-long international careers. But now they're coming through with another fairly solid squad. Um You'd probably say from the outset they're the favourites for this group. Um, easily, 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 probably easily favourites. However, like you said, these are four incredibly capable teams. I've all been to major tournaments, and any any one of these teams. The beauty about this group is any one of these teams could go through, and any one of these teams could potentially go home. But yeah, Italy do look like the favourites. I mean, like you mentioned, um, they didn't make it to the last World Cup, which to be fair, I think it's the first time since 1958 they didn't make it to an international tournament. Going out in the quarters um, in Euro 16, it's definitely not the Italy teams of old when they dominated in the noughties. I mean, we might, we're slightly too young to remember them actually lifting the trophy in 2006, but I think due to television, the internet, we have seen that multiple times, obviously marred by the Zidane incident. But you mentioned young players. I mean, I think at the minute they've got some of the best youngsters in world football. I mean, uh, Gianluigi Donnarumma in goal, taken over from Buffon. I mean, he, the guy's still only 22 and I feel like he's been around for half my life. He's been playing in in the AC Milan first team since he was 16 years old. You know, that, that just speaks volumes of the quality that he has. I think it's crazy. Um, a couple other, another youngster is Moise Keane. If you go back eight, nine months ago, well, who's who's Moise Keane? He was the kid at Juve who failed at Everton, and now he's helping out an unbelievable PSG side with Neymar and Mbappe. Um, he's really come quite far from working at Everton, and, and I think he's he could be a proper starlet at this um at this European Championships. Yeah, and his move to Everton 
I think the biggest problem with his move, move to Everton was he came at the exact point that Dominic Calvert-Lewin started, you know, stepping up and becoming like a Duncan Ferguson figure whilst yes. Fergie was the manager. And that kind of pushed him out because Calvert-Lewin was so informed. But like you say, he's gone to an incredible PSG team now who are in a Champions League semi-final and have been playing incredibly well this season. He's been playing incredibly well this season. 100%. Uh, it's not just um, Donnarumma and Moise Keane. I mean, Nicola Barella at Inter Milan and Federico Chiesa from Juve, I think will be the two main players this year for Italy at the Euros. Uh, it, without them, I don't think they do very well. Barella has been unbelievable getting Inter to the top of the table this season. I don't know if you've seen much of him, but just his, his control of the midfield is beyond a lot of other people his, his age. I've not seen much of Barella, but I have seen quite a bit of Chiesa because of watching the Champions League. And even though that um, Juve are no longer in the Champions League, in their ties with um, Porto, where they were knocked out, he looked like the best player on the pitch. Um, yeah, unbelievable player. And we'll just talk about their qualification getting into the, um, into the championships this summer. It's unbelievable. 10 games, 10 wins, 37 goals scored, four conceded. I mean, I'm pretty sure it's the best record going into this championships. Albright, they've, I believe they've drew their last two games, um, I think either World Cup qualifiers or friendlies. So not the best prep before their last games before the Euros. But surely looking at 10 out of 10 wins and only conceding four goals, that's an unbelievable bit of football from the Italians. Yeah, and they, look, they, they're known for having solid defences, you know, throughout the ages. You know, earlier on, I rattled off a few, you know, incredibly famous centre-backs. But even if you go back to the likes of Franco Baresi, alongside the likes of, of Maldini. But, um, you know, we come to expect that from Italian teams. They're always very robust in defence. And, you know, it's no different now. They've still got Giorgio Chiellini. They've still got Leonardo Bonucci. You know, they're still very defensively capable it's just a case of now who will they be looking to to the future because the, the next generation of Italian centre-backs hasn't cropped up too much in terms of... No, because... The, the top teams in Italy. Because there's an issue. There's still, an issue there, like you said, about the next yeah. crop because Alessio Romagnoli has been around for quite a while at AC Milan and I believe you've got Bastoni as well, who I believe they would have thought this Euros they would start because of the age of Benucci and Chiellini, but they've played so well together for how many years they've been at UV. I know, I, I believe Benucci left for a season and came back, but yeah. they're probably in our lifetime, one of the best centre-back partnerships there's ever been. That I In the Italian league, yeah, they've completely dominated Juventus, but that's mainly been helped with their defence and those two working together. And you just chuck in another another centre-back goes in that back three. And it, it, I mean, they alongside them at the minute, they got Matthias De Litt. So that Juventus defence, they they work unbelievable together. So I think those those two for Italy are fantastic. Yeah. Um, you, you mentioned um, Romagnoli. Romagnoli's been solid for a couple of seasons now for AC Milan. Uh, they, they've massively improved as well. But Bastoni's someone who's only really just broken into the Inter team. So we're still kind of yet to see what he's um, got to offer in terms of starting centre-backs. I know he did get in over Skriniar quite a bit last season when he yeah. dipped out of form. But really, he's still very, very early on in his career. Definitely. Um, 
So we move on to the next team. And next up, we've got Switzerland, who can, can be dark horses at tournaments and qualification periods. I mean, they've got some excellent players in that team. I'm sure you can list off a, a few there, Jack. Yeah, I mean, the biggest one that always is a big game player for Switzerland is Jordan Shakiri. You know, whenever they go into international competitions, he steps up. And especially in a time where his Liverpool future is looking quite uncertain, if he were to have a big performance uh, at the Euros, you could definitely see a move on the cards. It probably wouldn't be to a Champions League team, although who knows? Um, but I'd, I'd say the likelihood is he'd go to a more mid-table sort of Europa League sort of um, challenging side. But he's someone, like I said, he just turns up at international competitions. And then you've got Breland Bolo, who had quite a, an injury struck, uh, struck sort of early part of his career. Yeah. And he's come back now and he's firing on all cylinders uh, in the Bundesliga. So they've got quite a few different options up in attack. They've still got Jan Sommer, who's one of the best goalkeepers in the Bundesliga. Like you say, they're probably dark horses. They they could definitely get results against some of these other teams and at other inter- international tournaments. They've been able to do that. Um, but I don't think they'll be threatening any of the, the big, big sides. I'm with you on that. I mean, um, they've got... They, they go into this tournament with quite a strong defence, to be fair. Um, they like to play under their manager. They like to play like a, a five-back with wing-backs with Kevin Mbabu and Ricardo Rodriguez down the, down the flank. So for many years now, have been very strong at whatever team they've gone to. Mbabu's caused plenty of trouble against Premier League sides in the Champions League and the Europa League over the years. I mean, at the back, they have um, Manuel Kanji, who his performances for Borussia Dortmund over the years now have been excellent. And I'm sure everyone will be watching him in the tournament this summer. Anyone looking for a new centre-back, you've got the likes of Man United, Chelsea, Arsenal, Liverpool will be looking, I think, looking at him because he's still quite young. He and he's been really good over the years. And finally, um, Granit Xhaka, obviously, I believe he's now their captain after uh, the loss of Lichsteiner last year, who was meant to captain them at the Euros last year. Um, he can change a game for better or for worse. Yeah. And we've, I think we've seen that many times for Arsenal. And Plenty of times. 100%. Um, like we, we mentioned with Italy about um, young players to watch and me and you spoke before, didn't we, Jack, about the lack of young players for Switzerland. And um, Cedric Itten from Rangers... At 24, I think I'm stretching there, clutching at straws as a young player. But he could be someone to change the game. I, I don't know what you think about the young players at Switzerland there, Jack. Yeah, like you said, I, I, off the top of my head, I can't think of many. With Itten, you know, you look at the, the season that Rangers have had, it's been just unbelievable. So it, it makes sense that he's in the squad. But there aren't many t- young players, up-and-coming players coming through. Like I said... Mbolo's no longer probably going to be able to be classed as a young player. I think he's 25, 26 now. Obviously, he was a very good young prospect, but injuries really hindered his development. Yeah. He's only really coming into form now. Um, but yeah, the other names that you've listed, Mbabu, I'm pretty sure he's about 25, 26. Rodriguez is a veteran in that gotta Swiss be, team. He's got to be near his 30s now, maybe in his 30s, Rodriguez. I'm pretty sure he is. Um, you know, former AC Milan, now at Torino, I believe. Yeah. But he's someone who's got such good quality on the ball, you know, free kick. He's that sort of dead ball specialist. He can create stuff 
out of nothing. Um, but yeah, you, you look around and it, it's more the veterans you're talking about with that Swiss team who, who have played at all sorts of different levels rather than the young players. Um, so 100% you're right there. Uh, this is their fifth time at the championships. So they're, they're not new. They're not new to it. I mean, to be fair, one of those times they did host it. <laughs> so they had to get, be chucked in there. Um, they did get to the round of 16, though, at, um, Euro 2016. I, they did really well. They, um, and in the qualifications for this tournament, five wins, two draws, one loss. They, they definitely are a dark horse, like we mentioned. However, the next team, I think, will perform a hell of a lot better at the tournament than Switzerland, and that's Turkey. And I think at the minute, some of the players they've got in that team are in the form of their life. I think we've got to start with Barat Yilmaz. He, oh, he, he's been absolutely incredible for them. He's scoring such a ridiculous amount of goals in that Lille team. Uh, just, he's scoring free kicks. He's scoring inside the box. He's being a poacher. He's someone who's got a, a good turn of pace on him. He's a finisher. And he's, he's racking up a ridiculous amount of goals. He's 35. That is, it's unbelievable. I, I don't think he saw this coming, but... Lil have somehow brought the best out of him, and alongside all the Jonathans at Lil, he's done he's done so well. You have got Bamba, Ekone, and uh, Jonathan David. They've they've formed such a good um, movement over there with Renato Sanchez as well. And he's a player to watch, I think, in this in this tournament this summer. And no doubt about that. The support behind him from Hakan Chalhanoglu, who. If anyone knows football, he's been around a while and he's still young and he's got a wand of a boot on him. I mean, his free kicks, just the passing in general, that's the sort of player Barack Yilmaz want behind him. I'm sure, Jack, you've seen uh, Chalhanoglu play over the years. Yeah, I mean, it really started off when he was at Hamburg. Um, he, he, He was in the Bundesliga showing off what, like you said, he a dead ball specialist. I talked about Ricardo Rodriguez being a dead ball specialist. Hakan Chalanolu is just something else. Long shot. It doesn't matter if it's inside the box. doesn't matter if it's outside the box. doesn't matter if it's not even in his own half. He's going to have a shot. And the likelihood is it's going on target or it's going in. He's someone... He went to AC Milan and didn't quite work out because they kind of... they forced him out to the left-hand side a bit. And he's yeah. not one of these quick players. He's not an agile player. He, he's a sort of De Bruyne-esque player. I'm not saying he's the level of De Bruyne, but he's that person who doesn't need all the flair because he's got such good technical ability on the ball. And I mean, you you don't want any other sort of player behind you. If you're someone like Burke Gilmaz, you want someone who's going to get the ball to you every time. Yeah. And you know in those situations, goals are going to happen. And, and that's exactly what's been happening for Turkey and their team. I mean, in, in the World Cup qualifiers, they beat the Netherlands 4-2. And Burak Yilmaz had an unbelievable game in that game. And then even the last time they met the Netherlands, before that, they beat them again. You know, this is a team that's really challenging against some of the top sides. I know the Netherlands have fallen off over the past sort of decade, half decade, yeah, definitely. whatever it is. But they're a, they're a team that are really showing some strong levels of intent. And they've got some brilliant young players as well. For example, Demiral in centre-back as part of that Juve defence that we yes. talked about earlier being so strong. Now, he has had a couple of injuries. I think he had a major injury last season, season before. 
pretty much just after he'd moved there. But he's one of those young players that can come through. You've got Soyuncu now at Leicester who can do bits and they've got the, the right winger. I can't remember his name. Kengizunda. That's it. Kengizunda. Um, another brilliant young player um, who can create for them. They've got so many options. Definitely. It's I was going to really mention about team. the trio of Premier League players they could take and you said Soyuncu and Under. And I think um, after his move to Liverpool, Ozan Kabak has really shown he can play and I think every time he plays now he improves he is is getting better every single game I know I believe Turkey play a like a a 4-2-3-1 formation so it'd mean losing one of those centre-backs and it more than likely would be Kabak because of the Demirel and Soancu play so well together but with with um, Erkin and Zeki Selic either side of them they've got a really strong side who like you've said, they've shown up the Netherlands twice now. And if they can do that against the Netherlands, I don't see any reason why they couldn't do it against Italy. Um, in qualifying, they finished second, but that was just behind France. And we're not talking about France today, but I'm pretty sure we could do a whole one-hour podcast about that France squad. We um, probably could, yeah. 100%. I, I, I see Turkey could do quite well. I mean, they went out in the semis in Euro 2008. Yes, quite a long time ago. I'm not sure if many of their players are still around from that time. But this, to me, looks like one of the strongest Turkey sides since the early noughties when they got to, I believe, did they get to the semis at one of the World Cups? Um, maybe 2002, around that sort of time when I believe I their their current manager got UEFA Manager of the Year. So wow. they're, they're a really, really good side to look out for. Yes, they um bronze medal finish. At the 2002 World Cup. Wow. Just, uh, none, none of you at home can see this, but I have my second screen up here. So I uh, definitely am fact checking here. <laughs> um, but yeah, he um, he got UEFA Coach of the Year and he's come back. Um, so it's the same manager. So he's probably going with the same philosophy as back then. Um, but 100% that's a team to watch out for. And they're, they're definitely dark horses in terms of the whole tournament. Yes. We talked, we talked about Switzerland probably being a dark horse in this group getting out. Turkey are a dark horse for the tournament, you know, taking out, taking out those bigger teams in later stages. Definitely. Finally, the, uh, the last team in this group, our home nation, we have Wales who, yes, they, they would perform well at this tournament if they had Ryan Giggs. And I, I think him not managing them at the tournament this year might seriously hinder them because they haven't been amazing under Ryan Giggs but they've done a lot better than they have done before I don't know what your thoughts are on how well um, Wales will do at this tournament without him Jack I mean it's a tricky one because you're coming into an international tournament where you've just lost your manager in situations that you can't control and now you've got their caretaker replacement come in and, and now having to shoulder the responsibility of taking a nation to such a big international tournament. And, you know, you look at the last Euros and how well Wales did in that. Obviously, I know it was a different system, a couple of different players, you know, under Chris Coleman, they were just, they were brilliant to watch. But like you say, not having gigs, I don't necessarily know if it's because of the philosophy. I think it's more because you've now had a sudden change of manager coming into an international tournament. I think that will hinder them. Another thing that I think will hinder them 
is two of their group games are being played in Baku. Yeah. And I've got up here on my screen, Baku is 3,000 miles away from Cardiff. <sighs> so you've got a hell of a lot of travel to do. And then their game after that, they'll be playing in Italy, which is probably about another 1,500 miles. It's probably like the halfway point-ish. Um, they have a lot of travel to do far away from home. So if they if they manage to get through the group stage and it doesn't affect them too much, you know, they'll be much closer to home. And I think that'll give them a more of a boost. Yes. But it's going to be tough. All the odds really have stacked up against them at the exact wrong time. This is Definitely. not the time that they want to lose a manager or you have to bring someone in and then travel 3,000 miles to, to play two games with potentially new system, new players. It's crazy to think about. And you mentioned the players. And I think their star man, Gareth Bell, comes into this tournament probably in the worst form in his career. He's been a bit sidelined at Tottenham. That's probably due to his, let's say, shady comments about it basically being a training camp for himself. Um, Go back five years, Wells going into a tournament with Gareth Bell at the helm. They're a team to look out for. Nowadays, yeah, they've got Bell. They've got Ramsey. He's out of form. Daniel James having probably the best season, a better season at Man United, but still not world-class. And then the rest of the team are ridiculously young. You've got Ben Cabango, Ethan Umpadu, Joe Rodon, Nico Williams, Harry Wilson. I don't think any of them are over the age of 23. Um, it's, and then Danny Ward in goal. He's going to be fighting for the jersey of Wayne Hennessy, who's ancient. I, they've got a mixed squad, but a lot of youngsters. And I don't see them doing very well, if I'm being totally honest. Yeah, it's going to depend on how well the 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 rest of the leaders in that team um, show these guys how to how to turn up at tournaments. Like you say, Bale's Bale's not coming off of great form. He's been in okay form in sort of the latter stage of Mourinho's um, time at Spurs, but um, he he's starting to step up now. We're starting to see much better contribution from him. Yeah. Which is probably, you know, if there's a good time to do it before an international tournament is a is a good time. But like you say, they've got so many young players in that team. It's going to be incredibly interesting how they perform. Because for a lot of them, this will probably be their first tournament. Yeah. Another one that I also wanted to highlight that I don't think you mentioned was Harry Wilson. Now, Harry Wilson has had some good spells at different clubs, you know. Been at Liverpool, but shipped out on loan to here, there, and everywhere, really. But whenever he's played for Wales, he's always been one of those players who's stepped up. You know, he's got that quality in the final third. And, you know, if they can find those sort of good links, Dan James, you know, he's electric. Ramsey, I really haven't heard much of him since he moved to Juventus. I think he, at the start under Sari, he was used quite a lot. But yeah. After that, I haven't. I really haven't heard that much about him being used at all. So whether Pirlo's still got him, you know, in his squads, I, I really don't know. But it's going to be interesting because those sort of, those players that they relied on so heavily at the last uh, Euros five years ago, you know, in terms of how their careers have, have gone since then, the career trajectory seemingly was great and has now massively crashed back down to earth. Yes, um, I think there's only one more player actually neither of us have mentioned who 
probably is the most informed player for Wales going into this tournament is Kiefer Moore. And yes. he's had an excellent season in the championship. And I mean, at the minute, I see him as being the only way they're going to get goals. He's Absolutely. very good, 100%. Um, just, just a huge aerial threat. I think he's, what, 6'5", is he? Yeah, he's a big he's, guy. He's massive. If you can pick... Look, if you come up against teams that will play solid defence all the way packed back in and you need to launch balls over the top and you need to result to that, if you can get the ball up to Kiefer Moore, let him hold it up, you know, you and then you Bell got... and Bell and James running down those sides. Exactly, you're laughing. 100%. We've um, spoken about them being in the tournament. It's only the second time, but they've got a lot to live up to compared to last time. Yeah, they made it to the semis last time. Yeah, I don't think anyone point. ever expected that. No, especially coming up against... I, I don't know if they were ranked world number one at the time. I know they're world ranked number one at, uh, at the moment, at time of recording, but Belgium... You know, a Belgian team that consists of Lukaku, the, all the Hazard brothers, Courtois. They had a ridiculous defence. They had a ridiculous attack. And, you know, Hal robson Carnu Cruyff turned them out the tournament. Yes. Oh, God, the memories. I think all of us, all us England fans wanted, wanted Wells to go on and win that once we went out. Um, but obviously us and national tournaments don't go too well. That's no. the, uh, that's basically the group's rounded up there Jack and I'm, I've got some questions to ask you about the tournament itself and now mm. you touched on Baku what are your thoughts on it being split across multiple nations had we not been living in a global pandemic I think it's a good idea why not why not play it across Europe have as many fans try to see it as possible you know bring footballing culture to places that don't usually see much European footballing culture but ultimately we are still in the global pandemic at the moment and it just doesn't make sense to have it in so many different places when there's so much risk to it I know there were at some point the British government wanted it all to be held within the British Isles and Ireland just just to sort of stop that to try and prevent that but when you look at like I said earlier Wales having to travel 3,000 miles to play two games to then basically come back 3,000 miles and play the rest of their games doesn't make sense. And that's going to be a disadvantage to them. And there'll probably be other disadvantages to a lot of other teams, whereas a lot of Italy's games will be being played in Italy. A lot of Russia's games will be played in Russia. A lot of England's games will be played in England. It's, it's just it's unnecessary, Yeah, I think. And then, obviously, like I said, COVID doesn't help you at all in terms of certain countries having travel restrictions, for example. Certain countries being on other countries' blacklists or red lists or whatever you want to call them. It, it was a great idea at the wrong time. 100%. Um, like you mentioned Russia, I believe they... Russia and England have just stolen the fixtures off of Dublin and Bilbao due to COVID so, yeah. restrictions and that. But imagine, I know England aren't, but imagine if they had to travel all the way to St. Petersburg. I mean, that's a stupid distance. Like Wales to Baku. I don't understand why. I know it's hard because all the groups are all over the place. I mean, looking at this group, we've got Wales, Switzerland, Italy and Turkey are basically... Nowhere near each other. Switzerland aren't too far from Italy, but Turkey, you're almost in Asia. Like, 
you're, no, so, you're so far across in in Europe that you're almost out of it. And I mean, they've got to travel all the way across. And I've, it's it's a hard one. Um, there isn't any way, there isn't any easy way of sorting this tournament out, other than like you said, if the English government had done it. But we know what they're like, and we're not going to go political on this podcast. Um, no, because that is a minefield. It is. Now, the tough question I've got to ask you, Jack. Who are the two teams that are going to escape this group? Who's finishing first and second? Oh, that is a tough question because I, look, I, I can probably give you one. I think Italy will go through. Yeah. I think they are the solid favourites to go through. I think they've got plenty of good veterans. I think they've got plenty of good young players. They're all playing at high level. And as a team, I think they'll come together. Plenty of players in form. We rattled off so many earlier on. Another one I wanted to add, just because I'm a Chelsea fan, is Jorginho. Yeah. He's been a revelation under Thomas Tuchel. I think they're they're safe to go yes. through. You look at the other three teams, either either one of those teams, or of those three teams, can beat the others. But off of form, Turkey. Turkey have got such a strong squad. And like I said, they could be dark horses for the tournament you know, let, let alone just this group. You look at the, the strengths that they have. Burak Yilmaz is in form. Chalanolu's back in form. Their defenders are in form at their respective clubs. And they come together for international games. For the, for the World Cup qualifiers, uh, in their last three, they won two of those. They did draw three with Latvia of all countries. Yeah. But they did beat Netherlands, like I said, 4-2. And they beat Norway 3-0. That's very comfortable. Keeping him quiet, keeping Haaland quiet was a tough Harland, they did it. Odegaard, El Yanusi, keeping that lot quiet, that's a task within itself. So to do that, they've done incredibly well. Like I say, the three-all draw with Latvia is a bit of a question mark, but yeah. for me, you know, they'll they'll probably be one of the best teams to watch, particularly in that group, if not maybe the whole tournament, if their players couldn't keep up for. Ultimately, I agree with you on both both those teams. I I think they'll be the top two. I I've said before I don't think Wales do very well, even though they've got quality players in and around the team. I don't think they do well. I just see Turkey will outclass Switzerland, just in in each of the, each of the departments, and Italy will probably go three and zero. I mean, I don't I don't see them losing to any of those three teams. The only one would face. probably be Turkey. I, yeah. I Turkey. If there's two teams that could go three and zero in terms of wins, yeah, it's Italy or Turkey because you know we've seen what Turkey have done to some of the bigger names. We mentioned the Netherlands quite a few times already. They could easily do that to to a team like Italy as well. One hundred percent. Now another another tough question for you, Jack. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Who wins the whole tournament? Oh, well, we spoke about this on the Put Your Foot On It podcast. So if you want to go and check that out, you know. Um, <laughs> but um, if I'm perfectly honest, who do I think will win the overall tournament? I'm, I'm giving the same answer. I haven't changed my mind. It's Belgium. Belgium, a few years back, the biggest question was, you know, how are they going to work together as a team? And they didn't really work together as a team. And yeah. the Wales game showed that. But now you look at that team, so many players are in form at their respective clubs. You know, Romelu Lukaku is easily one of the best strikers in Europe, in the world. 
Eden Hazard is coming back from injury. He's hitting a little bit of form, still needs a bit of time. But then you look at the likes of Torgan Hazard as well. He's yes. in unbelievable form. The defence is probably the only place where I'd ask questions. Denai has been in decent form for Lyon, in fairness. Courtois in insane form for Real Madrid. It's De Bruyne, Tielemans, Mertens. <laughs> I could just keep going. But the biggest problem, that they, like I said, they had was that they were a brilliant team of individuals, but they weren't a brilliant a group. Yeah. They, they didn't have that sort of chemistry that, that they seem to have now. They're world-ranked number one. Roberto Martinez is still their head coach. He's just done a brilliant job with them in terms of qualifying. I really think that they'll take it to any other team. You know, we we also said we could do an hour-long podcast on talking about the depth that France have. But for me, you look at the just the sheer amount of quality in that yeah. Belgian team. I think this is the time, if any that they need to really state their intentions of winning the tournament. This is this is the window of opportunity they have. 100%. And I've, hopefully then, this will lead in quite well to you, Anch, and who you think the potential Golden Boot winner will be. Do you see it being someone from Belgium? Ooh. That's a tough one. I don't know who's in their group, actually. If we just have a quick look at uh, the... Belgium Euro group. So they've got Russia, Denmark, and Finland. Yeah, okay, actually. <laughs> it, it probably will. I, I, I'll, I'll put my neck out on the line here and I'll say Lukaku. Yeah. Um, it's probably a solid shot because, like I said, he's one of the best strikers in world football currently. But you look at the teams that they'll face in the group stages, Denmark will be the biggest problem for them and they've got a decent defense now Andreas Christensen back pockets everyone and I love it <laughs> um but Russia and Finland yeah I, I don't see them having any problems in terms of scoring goals yeah so, probably Lukaku but then again it obviously depends on who they face afterwards this is what I was thinking the tournament you said Lukaku and you're looking at teams they're facing obviously I'm going to go into more detail into group f later in the series of these podcasts. Mm. But obviously, I've been going into tournament Mbappe will be probably one of the favourites to get the golden boot. It's kind of yes, obvious. Probably. But he's got to go against Germany and Portugal in the group Germany, stages. Portugal which and Hungary in the same group, group of death. Very difficult. But like I said, I'll definitely be touching on that more later in the series. So, golden boot winner. Who's going to get the player of the tournament, Jack? Oh, player of the tournament. Wow. Um, I guess I'm going to have to stick with the Belgian theme here because yeah. I'll, I'll put my neck out on the line too many times. Um, so if I reckon Lukaku get golden boot, it'd, it'd probably be someone like De Bruyne then. Just someone who pulls the strings in that team, gets everyone in on the goals, gets in on the goals himself. You know, if, if, if he goes into the tournament top form, which, you know, it, it looks like he's not going to slow down at all. Yeah, the, the likelihood is he'll probably go on and win a player of the tournament. But then again, there's so many players in that team that could do it. There's so many players in so many different teams that could do it. Like you said, Mbappe. Mbappe could easily go and do it, dependent on France's form in that group and if they get out. Um, but if I've, if I've got to say one, I'll stick with the Belgian theme uh, and I'll, I'll say Kevin De Bruyne. Brilliant. Final question. Now, it's quite an interesting one because you've put 
everything you've put all your money on Belgium at the minute. <laughs> but in just in general football, which team are you most looking forward to watching play? Apart from England. Uh, uh, yeah, I was going to say, I'm biased, so obviously I'll, I'd love to see England do well. Uh, in terms of teams, I'd love to see how they do. I'd love to see how that Turkey team do. You know, we've covered them a lot to, uh, today already, but they've got an incredibly interesting team and, you know, could easily get through the group stages and, and pose some real threats to some of the bigger teams. I think everyone wants to see how France do. Everyone wants to see how Germany do. Everyone wants to see how Belgium do. Um, and just, you know, you want to see the top sides play each other. So that group of death to have three of the world's best teams in it yeah, is amazing. But more than that, I, I want to see how Ronaldo does. So I want to keep close eyes on that Portugal team because obviously he's their top goal scorer now. He's, is he now still the top goal scorer in international football? Yeah. He, there was a couple of Ali, question marks over. Is it like international football was Ali, Ali DA? Is that how you say his name? The, like uh, and then the Czech Republic FA were like, oh, wait, no, we've got somebody who scored like 170 yes. odd goals. Yeah. Anyway, I want to see Ronaldo. how Ronaldo does. You know, it's probably one of the last um, international tournaments he'll play. I don't know if he'll play at the next World Cup. The, the likelihood is he will because it's only next year, which is a yeah. weird thing to say. Crazy. So I want to see how he plays because if this is his international swan song, I'd love to see him do well. And that... Yeah. Portugal team is stacked so if he's able to get goals in it I'd love to see how they do but yeah if, if I had to pick one team that I'd say keep an eye out for and, and you know really hedge your bets on it's that Turkey team brilliant I think that's the answer we all wanted Jack that was that was fantastic that was some, some brilliant answers to a lot of my questions and we've really delved quite deep into this group A I want to thank you very much for coming on being the first guest of this new series no worries, mate. Thank you, you thank you for having me. That's all right. I hope you all enjoyed listening to this one, guys. I'll be back next week with Group B.